Hello and welcome to the short stuff. There's Jerry, Chuck, me, Josh, a short stuff. This is short. Go. <laughs> and we're all starting to look alike here on our 11th anniversary. <laughs> we really are. <laughs> We've all kind of morphed into this weird, like, um, well, this amorphous blob. How about that? <laughs> we don't even look like we've actually physically merged together. <laughs> yeah. So, do old people look alike? <laughs> old couples, that is. Right, right. That's a big one. Yeah. Because, yes, there's probably some old people you could find randomly in a crowd and be like, this kind of looks like this person. And we probably and go, brother. old people anymore either, right? We should probably say seniors. Uh, yes. Elder, elderly. Senior adults, I think, is what it is, actually. Good call. I mean, I'm right around the corner from being them. <laughs> right. So I'm like, I don't like saying old people. Right, exactly. Um, so, uh, okay. So, senior adults. Anyway, an older couple, that's what we're going to say. A couple that's lived together, married, or in some sort of partnership, romantic or otherwise, for a very long time. Mm-hmm. They do tend to start to look alike the older they get. And there's actual science to to back this up. This isn't just some, you know, random hilarity. They've actually done studies about this because it's kind of a weird thing. If you think about it, we take it for granted. But the idea that two people who are not related should should come to, like, look like one another over the years, it's it's a little odd even though, you know, it seems like, yeah, of course that's what happens. But why, Chuck, why is the big question? Well, first of all, I have a question for you. Okay. Have you noticed this? Do you think this is a thing? Because I've never really noticed this. Um, yeah, I have actually. There's, I've seen some couples that I'm like, <laughs> I think you guys are brother and sister. Okay. And it's a little unsettling because they usually seem happy and they're holding hands, but <laughs> it's, uh, no, I have definitely seen it before. I don't know. Sure. I'm just trying to think in my life, like my grandparents didn't look alike and mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm trying to piece it together. I do like the science here because... Not much of the science really points to, like, necessarily looking like one another. Right. But let's talk about it. Okay. So, and I think also just to kind of clarify your point, it's not like it's an inevitability. Sure. But it does happen, and the fact that it does happen still raises the question, why? Yeah. So, uh, there was a study called Personality and Individual Differences, uh, or I'm sorry, that was the magazine it was published in, The Rag. Mm-hmm. That you can find on newsstands all over the country, <laughs> right? Uh, and they surveyed twenty. They got twenty-two people, um, I guess eleven men and eleven women who participated in the study. Yes, and they said, "Look at these one hundred and sixty married couples, but you know they're separate. You don't know like who's in a couple." And then tell us what you think. Go. Right, right. It was it was um, who who looks alike, um, who's married to who, and what they found was that people tended to pick married couples out, even though they weren't shown pictures. And they were shown the men's pictures and they were shown the women's pictures and it was basically like put them together. And people tended to do that also. Um, they also judged them based on attractiveness. Mm-hmm. And they the people also tended to be rated along the same line. So like a seven typically was paired up with a seven. <laughs> so the fact that... the That's fact so that, wrong. The fact that you could... Um, you could... You, a, a random stranger could pick these couples out and, and more often than chance get it right, p- pairing who was married to who just based on looks 
definitely suggests that there's something there. And the something there that they, they believe that is really behind it is mostly genetics. Yeah, I mean, there is, uh, non-genetically speaking, I do think there is something to the fact, because they make a point in this article, that like, you know, if your personalities are similar, which is probably, you know, you generally seek out someone who you think would jibe personality-wise, mm-hmm. you may end up being a couple who just laughs a lot and enjoys life, and that would <laughs> affect the same facial muscles and things like that. Uh, or if you look at any picture, like pre nineteen. 60, mm-hmm. all you see is two dour-looking mm-hmm. senior adults standing next to each other. Right. So they may look a little bit more alike, although I think we've done something on people smiling in pictures, or maybe we just talked about it briefly, but that'd be uh, a good shorty, I think. Yeah, surely. I don't recall that at all. Like it was the first goon who put on a big smile in a photo, right. and everyone's like, what did you just do? What is that? <laughs> You're supposed to frown in pictures, young can man. I, can I subscribe to your newsletter? <laughs> but uh, as far as um, genetics go, and we've talked about a lot of this here and there on the show, about mm-hmm. people seeking out for life partners and sexual and reproductive partners, people that are more uh, similar similar uh, genetically as themselves. Right, right, which makes sense. The The idea, the whole premise is that we would seek those people out because our genes – have kind of co-evolved together, so they fit together, they work together more readily. Yeah. Um, which is, uh, the, you know, so some people would say, well, oh, okay, well, you should stick with your own kind and, and, and not marry outside of your own group or whatever. Yeah. But the opposite of that is when you get too much homogeneity, the gene pool starts to really, really suffer. So it's good to mix. But at the same time, we seem to be geared, at least according to this school of thought, toward seeking out mates that we we might be able to genetically uh, be more genetically compatible with. Yeah. The question is this, though. Beyond, say, something glaringly obvious is somebody saying, like, um, you know, just sticking to their ethnic group or racial group or something sure. like that to, to marry and have kids with. How else would you, like, if you're not doing that, how would you possibly pick out somebody based on genetics? Like, how would you know how someone's um, compatible with you genetically. This is like, so there's, we've got the question of how do old, um, I'm sorry, senior adult mm-hmm. couples start to look alike. But then if it's genetics, how do we find that out? You know, like, what are we doing? All right. That seems like a good spot for a break. Okay. And we'll come back and talk about sexual imprinting right after this. So I promised talk of sexual imprinting about 60 seconds ago. Mm-hmm. And there's this thing, and and it's not just like something people say. It's There's a real thing where they've done studies and found that women um, – I was going to say generally, but studies indicate that women, uh, if, they, if they have fathers that they were close to and that they love, that they will seek out uh, adult relationships with men who are like their fathers. And that includes looking like their fathers. Looking like their fathers, behaving like their fathers, like if their father was stern but kind, you know, mm-hmm. they will probably look for that in a mate. If their father was like, hey, you you do you. But the, the key seems to be that the father and the daughter's bond and relationship is, is very strong. And the stronger it is, the more of this 
sexual imprinting there is. And so rather than like the girl, you know, secretly having the hots for her dad or something like that. Yeah, this would, is not that. No, but but it, it's what that gets confused for is it's actually the father has provided a model saying, hey, I'm genetically related to you. You turned out pretty good. We have a pretty good relationship. Find a guy who's kind of like me, and you can't miss the genetic crapshoot. Yeah, and not even genetically, because the same has held true through uh, adoptive uh, fathers and daughters they found in studies as well. Well, no, I think they were saying adopted daughters imprint on their genetic fathers. Oh, no, I thought it said, I thought, I read it as they still. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah, you're right. That would be the case. But then that kind of undermines the genetic basis of it, doesn't it? Well, a little bit, but that's the nature-nurture thing, you know? Yeah. Well, this whole thing is one big question of, like, nature-nurture. Yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't think I that's – that's an interesting can of worms there that we're not going to completely open. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so there's some other things that we can – so that that's one. That for women in particular, the sexual imprinting on the father is one way that they are guided toward mate selection, right? Yeah. There's also um, personalities, another one. There's a, a genetic basis for that, behaviors, traits. Um, there's all sorts of stuff that you can pick up in somebody's face, um, in their body shape, their body style, that suggests not necessarily that their genes are going to mix well with your particular genes, but that they are um, genetically sound, I guess, in one way. And one of the big ones is symmetry, both body symmetry and facial symmetry. It's a classic um, standard for for just universal beauty. Symmetry tends to be equated with beauty and attractiveness. Yeah, we've talked about this quite a bit in the past, too. Um, they've done studies and test subjects kind of roundly rate symmetrical men and women as not only um, like just better looking and more attractive to them, but potentially healthier. And they say that's the whole, you know, evolutionary basis of a lot of this is it, whether we know it or not, we're we're technically probably seeking out people that we think are healthy and have good genes and mm -hmm. women are seeking women who can carry their child and they even have it, it's such a gross term but um, supposedly you know they've done studies where uh, men prefer women with a waist to hip ratio of mm -hmm. 0.7 uh, which sounds just like I don't know this sounds like something some creep would uh, carry around like a notebook. <laughs> right. And like, or like some calipers <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, and be like, mm, you're really nice and funny and all, but your waist-to-hip ratio is not quite right for me. Well, it goes both ways, too. There's a preferred waist-to-hip ratio, ratio among men for women or women yeah. that women have for men. And supposedly, that sounds really bizarre, but um, that has a lot to do with fat deposits where fat gets deposited around your hips depending on your sex. And sex is driven by hormones, and especially fat deposition and where it goes is driven by hormones. So if you have your fat building up in all the right places, according to your sex, you are, you are basically broadcasting that you are quite fertile and fecund sure. and, and ready to raise 10 kids and start a farm. Let's do this, <laughs> yeah. is what your hips are shouting. Well, what, you're what you want is to seek someone out that you can raise, uh, have a lot of and raise future little employees. Basically, yeah. Like kids so you don't to work have to in pay. the field. <laughs> yep, exactly. Uh, and back to the symmetry thing, um, they have found also in studies that the more symmetrical you are, um, you're also going to have more sex and more sexual partners in your life. Especially if you're a man, or particularly if you're a man. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so it does seem to come down, the answer to this question, why senior adult couples uh, can sometimes start to look like one another is that they are probably genetically similar to begin with. Yeah. And then they go through life experiences together that That's shape right. them together. So you put all that together, you've got an older senior adult couple who looks like brother and sister, and they still kiss in front of people. Yeah, you put that all together, throw them both in lavender tracksuits, which always helps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there is that thing, too, where couples uh, inadvertently, I guess, start to dress or maybe very purposefully start to dress alike. Sure. I got no problems with that, baby. Uh, and then— Dog lookalikes we should finish with because yeah. uh, everyone loves those great uh, listicles uh, photos of people mm-hmm. that look like their dogs. And that is a thing that can happen. Uh, and they did a study in 2004. I don't know how this got funded. Um, <laughs> but it, it apparently indicated that people who shop for purebred dogs uh, tend to look for dogs that look like them. Yeah. I want, I want to see my face looking back at me in my dog's face. Yeah, I've seen it. But they say that it's purebreds only. People who, like, rescue, you know, mutts from shelters. Or, yeah. They're like, whatever. I just like how you your personality, I guess. That's right. So um, there you go. There you have it. Uh, I guess that means, Chuck, then, short stuff is away. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. <laughs>